Welcome to the Nejo Chuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion on the Yang family, a little bit more about uh, Yang Man Ho. Uh, then we switch gears and look into the second book of the Tai Chi classics. This is the Tai Chi Chuan Lun. So uh, we start with a little bit of history about the classics uh, from Barbara Davis's book. And then we take a turn into Baiwa's book and discuss uh, the first couple lines of the Tai Chi Chuan Lun and uh, discuss the concepts of Wuji and Tai Chi. Uh, and then in our Patreon, we continue our discussion of the Ludong Bin Hunter character tablet. And just a reminder, if you join the Patreon, you can get uh, extended versions of the podcast as well as bonus episodes. And for a little extra, you can get the entire archive of all our episodes as well as exclusive interviews and more. So check that out. Again, thanks for all your support. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Take care. In today's episode, we're going to return to our discussion of the Yang family, the creators of Taiji Chuan. And uh, we've got a couple more stories about that early generation. Um, so I'll start with the biography of the famous Yang Ban Ho, son of the creator. And as you may recall, Yang Ban Ho is sort of known as the tougher guy of the sons. This is from Combat Techniques of Taiji, Xingyi, and Bagua by Lu Sheng Li. So here's the biography of Yang Ban Ho. He's born 1837, dies 1892. Received his education and learned basic Gong Fu in Wu Yuxiang's home when he was young and then practiced intensively with his father, Yang Luchan. So I gotta stop right there. Like, uh, Wu Yuxiang is Yang Luchan's top student, or some might say is his co founder of right. Tai Chi. Right, that's the. Yeah, he's the, also the founder of the, like, quote-unquote Wu Hao style right? right so he's the Wu in the Wu Hao style right so so we this bio I've never heard this one before it says that the son of the founder also trained with the founder's best guy slash right-hand man um that's pretty interesting because that that speaks to how young Bon Ho is highly respected right like every all the things we keep finding about him um show that people like really respect young Bon Ho and he's known as sort of the really the strongest representative of Yang style after Yang the Invincible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty widely known that his his skill level was pretty high. Of, right. You know, or at least the highest of the, the children. I don't know if he was the highest of all the students. but Right. And maybe part of that was his tutelage with Wu Yuxiang, who's this other foundational figure in the school, which is the first, yeah, interesting. So here's another sense that's interesting. That was Yang Luchan's job, right? He was one of the emperors, you know, he worked inside the palace for one of the princes or the emperor or somebody. And so now his son, Yang Ban Ho, is apparently right. doing the same Damn. job. A little bit of nepotism there. <laughs> but I guess that must another, it, it seems like the great figures of Chinese martial arts are often associated, like, if you're the top guy, you work in the palace, basically. It's like a badge of honor. Yeah, it's like it's like being the top general or something. I right. think you know, it's like so it means you're chief of staff you're or something. You know? If you make it to that level, he became famous for his fighting techniques and beat many famous masters, some of whom died in the process. His favorite punching technique was Ban Lan Chui. 
which is step forward, parry, and punch, right? Yeah. It's the classic Tai Chi punching technique. It's almost like you grab them, hold them down, and then boom, and punch them with a powerful yeah, you sort reverse of punch. Holding kind of. them and hitting them at the same right, time. Right, it's not a forward punch. It's a, you cover with one hand and then punch with the back hand. Yeah. Because of his mean and jealous disposition, however, Yang Banho was not well-liked. Even when he taught, he beat people very hard. Not surprisingly, he did not attract many students, and for the most part, his skills were not passed down. He was wary by nature and did not like to show his skill. Fortunately, he was not successful in his many attempts to dissuade his father from teaching high-level techniques to numerous dedicated students for many years. Wow, so that's another interesting little jab there. Right. Tried to keep it for himself or something. He didn't want his father teaching the, the best techniques to the other guys. Mm. So it sounds like he was pretty close with his father, too, and like... Yeah, I don't was kind of the gatekeeper were, I mean, a little bit, <clears throat> is what it sounds like. I don't think his father was that, you know, I think they're probably like, he was probably like 20, 25 when he was, you know, he was pretty young, so. Yeah, yeah, true. Like they're, yeah. they're not that far apart in age. And it's interesting that all this is taking place before the Boxer Rebellion. Like, Yang Bon Ho is dead before the Boxer Rebellion even happened. So, like, sure, yeah. this is that golden age of Chinese martial arts, you know, continuing. Well, before firearms, right? right? I mean, it's totally, uh, Basically, still the Wild West type of vibe. All right, so now we've got a couple stories from Tai Chi Chun for Health and Self-Defense by T.T. Leon. So here's a story about Yang Ban Ho. A long time ago on a summer day, when Tai Chi Master Yang Ban Ho, the second son of the great Master Yang Luchan, was cooling himself in the grain storehouse, a stranger suddenly appeared, asking the way to the residence of Yang Ban Ho. The master answered, I am Yang Ban Ho. The stranger immediately stretched out three fingers and pounced upon the master. The master withdrew his body slightly and, seeing a hut in the yard which was about eight feet high, beckoned to him, saying, Friend, please go up, and immediately knocked him up to the roof of the hut. Then he said, Please hurry back home and find a doctor. The man escaped in great distress. A farmer who was on the spot asked the master, How could you knock him up to the roof of the hut? The master replied, It is said in the Taiji Chen classics, when one looks upward, it seems to become higher and higher. So that's the story of Didn't that really answer the question, though, but... <laughs> so, like, I guess he's demonstrating that Tai Chi pushing technique yeah, that's so famous. launched him up on the roof. So the uprooting. And the guy used three fingers? Is he sort of like, maybe like praying mantis or some kind of claw right, or something? Some eagle claw or type, you know. Ah, I tried to grip him. So the next story. A senior student who had studied for Master Young for quite some time asked him to show a technique which was really good for practical use. That's interesting. So here's a student saying, what, what, uh, does any of this actually work? Show me a practical technique. That's a mistake. <laughs> right? That's your famous last words. Does any of this actually work? The master said, all right, now I'll throw you out in the shape of a silver ingot. So a large ingot weighing about 53 ounces as first cast under the Yuan Dynasty. So it must be the type of well-known, uh, you know, riches. Hmm. The senior student laughed and said, please try and prove it. As soon as they began the match, the senior student was immediately knocked down on the ground with his head and two feet facing the sky and his thighs touching the ground exactly like the form of a silver ingot. Split him in half. And so it's... The student's thighs were badly injured, and it took him several months to recover after being treated by an herb doctor. Mm. So the senior often told the other students, when one looks downward, it seems to come deeper and deeper, describing a terribly fearful technique. Mm. 
So yeah, what's that shape? So his thighs hit the ground, but his feet and head were up. So it's like a U-shaped. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just kind of like, like uh, I'm thinking like you know, if you're upside down on your head with your arms kind of smashed against the ground Something and, like and that. your legs up in sort of like. Well, a but his thighs were what got damaged. Oh, well, maybe it's the other. So like way, face so. is sort of your belly's hitting the ground. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Have to Does see. not sound good. Google what an in silver ingot from right. the 1800s looks like. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. And then, um, we I don't think we've gotten to this part of the Tai Chi classics. It goes deeper and deeper. Mm, I don't think and, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe there's different. I think we'll get to it eventually. Okay, so those were two ill-fated encounters with young Bonho. All right, so we got one more story here from the uh, Young Bonho. One late summer's day, Master Young Bonho was lying down to rest in the shade of the trees after practicing Tai Chi. When the leaves dropped on his body, they all slipped off and fell to the ground so that not even one leaf remained on him. He frequently tested his achievement in Tai Chi by lying on his bed, nipping, nipping a pinch of millet with his fingers and putting it on his navel. With one exhalation, all the millet grains were shot out into the ceiling of the house like bullets shot from a gun. It is indeed very difficult to acquire a technique like that. One must exert oneself earnestly to reach it. So he's launching pellets off his belly? Yeah. While he's laying down? Right. And it's just boom, like a shotgun blast hits the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, didn't, didn't, wasn't there a story about the, it was, I forget, it was, uh, I think it was his younger brother that when he was older, they would hear a shaking sound coming from his bedroom at night. Like, Maybe. so. <laughs> You know, they had some weird practice that they were doing in bed. Well, I think night. it's that Don, the idea of your Dantian is so powerful and controlled that you can, you know, strike with your abdomen or sure, your yeah, belly yeah. or something. You know, but you're, you're, you're laying in bed making, right. you know, doing, doing, uh, Dantian shaking techniques so hard that the, you know, people in the house hear it, you know. And yeah, I thought that was interesting that the leaves couldn't even alight as they fell down off the tree because his, his Liu energy is so powerful. Right, right, right. He's just deflecting stuff off him without or sort of passively. That's pretty cool. Yeah, again, that's a little bit of a nicer picture of the guy than you usually get, I think. Um, so that's the stories of uh, Young Bon Ho as we know them. All right. Now let's turn our attention to Bai Hua's book, where uh, we made it through one of the Tai Chi classics, and so now we're on to the next one. Um, so just as a bit of background, these Tai Chi Chen classics are passed down from you know the Yang family um, from you know over a hundred years, and uh, so we talked about the Tai Chi Chen Jing. Now this next one is called the Tai Chi Chen Lun, and uh, usually translated as the Tai Chi Chuan Treatise. Um, so there's four different Tai Chi classics included in this book, and Bai Hua gives his uh, his interpretation of each one of these. And as he gives his opinion about, you know, what he thinks each of the chapters means, um, you know, what do you think of the format so far as we've been reading through this? Well, we we went chronologically because it just makes the most sense. Like I think each, when each classic was written, right? Going that they're way. you know they're given each one's given sort of an approximate mm, age, right? Of when it was. So the written, first one so. was the the Taoist saint Zhang Cheng Feng, who is a distant figure, right? So that's the oldest. That's like right. You know, 
that's like the Ten Commandments or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, those are the stone tablets. Right. And then you get into, like, this next one is more, you know, it, it's the disciple, you know, it's the next generation. So it's not right. totally mythical. Right. But it's this is coming out of the mist, but it's still pretty, pretty mysterious. Pretty mysterious. Whereas the latest ones, you know, the, at the end tend to be clearly attributed to historical figures pretty clearly. Right. So, so the la- then the last two are like attributed to someone you can actually see, you know, portraits of. Right. And so the it's an intricate story, but one of the bottom line things is there's this salt shop where Yang Luchan's students... Wu Yushang, his brother, right. actually, they find, you know, they purchase these manuscripts randomly that turn out to be like brilliant breakdowns of how Tai Chi works. And this one called, that we're turning to now, the Tai Chi Chuan Treatise, is attributed to Wang Zongyue, and that's one of these scripts that they found in the salt shop. Right, and like the skeptic in me thinks that when you say you found a manuscript, it means you wrote something. You might have written it. But, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like Joseph Smith or whatever with the, you know, the Mormon... Like, right, you know, it's like same kind of thing. So here we go, uh, the Taiji Chuan Treatise. So I'd, I'd like to uh, speak to it real briefly from the Taiji Chuan Classics book by Barbara Davis, um, where she gives a uh, really amazing history of the different pieces that are available in the different versions of the classics um, book from two thousand four. Um, so she talks a little bit about this Taiji Chuan treatise. So I thought it'd be interesting to what, see what she has to say. She says, The treatise of Taiji Chuan opens with a grand sweeping view of the universe and its workings. From there, the author turns to the earthly and human realms with a blend of philosophy and boxing. As is common in this kind of essay, the author moves from the macrocosmic view to the intimate, using classical references liberally to support his ideas. And that's interesting because that's what we've been observing in Baihua's book in general. Like... He starts with a huge overview uh, of the cosmic, and then you apply it to the the local. You no, know? I was just going to say that that's how I would describe <laughs> Baiwa's book, right? You know, almost exactly, right? And uses classical references, and that's what he does. He just yeah. reference after reference to literature or philosophy or science. Right. It must be a you know way of doing things in right. Chinese literature. Or right. Something, I think that's know? a suspicion we're getting. So Barbara Davis speaks a little bit on. Wang Zongyue, who's the author of this text, she asked the question, who was Wang Zongyue? Opinions vary widely. He was the link between Zhang Senfang and Cheng Village. He was the author of the earliest layer of the classics, or he was an invented figure. But Wang is even more puzzling than Zhang Senfang, as we know virtually nothing about him. So that's the author of this one, pretty much bottom line. Um, she says, one school of thought holds that Wang went to Chen village and taught Taiji Chen to members of the Chen family. Another asserts that Wang learned from the Chens. And she says, in either case, Chen family material does not mention Wang, nor does it trans- transmit the classics. So she has a couple theories. One is that <coughs> since Wang was unknown, he could serve no mythic purposes. Um, so, so you just pick this guy that nobody knows and just sort of paint a blank slate. Another one, she says, Douglas Weil says, it's possible that Wang Zhang Yue... Literally means revering Yue, Yue Fei, the famous Chinese general. So the name could be in reference to the Chinese general who battled against the Manchus. So it's an anti-Manchu right. name potentially. He's also, he's also the um, you know, credited with founding Xingyi, right? right? So and Eagle Claw. I mean, so and she says that also the Wu or Li families could have invented him as a mask for their own identities or to disguise teachings from their teacher Chen Qingping. Um, how, 
so she, you know, there's all these different possibilities. Um, and then she breaks down a few other things of different mentions of the name, but there's really nothing about him. Um, so, and she ends with this. Wang Zongyue remains a mystery to us. The highest praise for him was that of Chen Wei Ming, who, obviously accepting Wang's historicity, thought Wang might have been the person responsible for connecting the single movements of Taiji Chuan into a flowing, continuous form. Chen said his work was extraordinary, for had he not connected them into one qi, the transmission would probably have been lost. So he's Wang Zongyue is the one who made the long form out of the series of movements that became... Chen family Tai Chi and Yang family Tai Chi. He, he innovated that crazy idea right. of making a super long, slow form, you know? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, somebody had to do it, right? I mean, why so, not this guy? Right. Well, and again, I mean, I think that's where, um, whether it was this one dude or any of the theories that she gave, I mean, it's kind of like, it's, he serves a purpose, right? The purpose is to right. make the link between, you know, what they did in the Chen village and, you know. Um, like, yeah, this is where it came, this supposedly flowed into the Chen village to or then out flow of, into the Yang. <laughs> or he, they taught him, either right. someone or the other. Right, but that's, you know, yeah, sort of. You never know. Love murky history, but. Now let's take a look at Bai Hua's book. Uh, uncovering the secrets of internal power in Tai Chi for the next section on the Tai Chi classics. So this is the Tai Chi Chuan Treatise, it's called. And let's just start at the beginning. So here we go. First sentence says, Tai Chi is born from Wu Qi. It is the mother of yin and yang. And so Bai Hua goes on to explain that. Tai Chi here generally refers to all tangible objects. Wu Ji here generally refers to the basic elements of matter. So there is the so-called Wu Ji produces Tai Chi. In other words, all tangible objects are composed of the relatively intangible basic elements of matter. So he's returning to that physics sense of like the emptiness inside particles, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's energy and mass, essentially, right? Right. I mean, so back to the Einstein equation again. Yeah, he's still just mapping out the nature of the universe. So this know? is a whole new treatise. It's a whole new classic. So we've got to start all the way from the beginning again. The very first principle of all. Right. Tangible well, objects are composed of intangible elements. I mean, it's that idea of going from sort of the biggest, most, you know, sort of encompassing, all-encompassing universe of everything down to, okay, now this is how you move the most specific part right. of your little tiny, you know, part of your body. And Right. So, again, he, you've got to start from the hugest possible statement. Now you boil it down. Okay, so... Everything that exists is composed of intangible elements. Okay, so we got that down. So then he goes on to say, okay, now the next part, he says, yin and yang are relative concepts. For example, heaven is yang and earth is yin. More is yang, less is yin. Movement is yang, stillness is yin. Being is yang, nothingness is yin. Positive is yang, negative is yin. Light is yang, weight, heavy weight is yin. Upper is yang, lower is yin, outside is yang, and inside is yin, growth is yang, and decay is yin, and so on. Right, so I mean, there's, there's the, again, it's just going from like, you know, heaven and earth down to like, you know, 
inside and outside growth and i mean it's everything right Right. now there's a dualism there's from oneness comes this sort of now there's a split of some kind but it's also that like i just think of like a lens you know going from like this giant mat you know like a wide angle to this super macro coming out from the milky way just like yeah yeah like you know cellular level kind of and it feels like we've talked all about this in the previous one right well it's been the main thing of this whole book right it's just woven into the exact same stuff so the next thing the basic laws of yin and yang are yin is the guardian of yang yang is the agent of yin yang is the dominant force yin is the dominant base yin and yang are each other's roots and the idea there's the idea again of one feeds into creates the other so they're not opposites they flow into each other. So it's another layer to this. There's yin and yang, but they're actually interwoven within each other and produce each other. All right. I think I'm, I think I'm sticking with what he's saying here. Right. So he's, he's trying to, you know, doing that thing of like, um, all the opposites, which is the main theme of Tai Chi, right? You've got, the opposites and this and the opposites of that but this this idea that yin is the guardian of yang right so like um basically like you can think of it as like yang is the container and then yin is the thing that like nourishes that container keeps it like you know healthy or whatever but like you've got to have one that's sort of the dominant like outside thing and then right. you got one that's the like dominant shell and the guts of the right turtle. exactly yeah, that's exactly the ultimate yeah. example because it's so hard right all right so the next paragraph he says in simple words and whenever he says that you know it's about to get complicated right because he said he'll always say to make it simple and then he goes off so, all right in simple words because there is yin as the foundation of yang's enrichment so yang can expand outward meaning yin is the guardian of yang Therefore, the extent of Yang's outward expansion depends on the degree of inner Yin's enrichment, being that Yang is the agent of Yin. Right. So as the shell expands, it has to stay connected. You know, it needs something to root anchor it, right? Right. Otherwise, it might explode. Right. So the Yin is kind of like balancing agent to the Mm. expansion. You know, it's like, yeah, it's very... And you can already see in Tai Chi terms, you're pressing on someone. You keep an inside sinking at the same time so that you don't fly forward as you apply. Like, you always have that balance. Right. I mean, well, Tai Chi's whole thing of being soft on the outside and hard on the inside, Mm -hmm. right? That you have, you know, your exterior is, is yin, but you have this yang, you know, power on the inside, right? So it's, you know, it's kind of like... That's what makes it so quirky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what makes it so quirky. So he says, the purpose of Yang's outward development is to use the energy in the expansion space to enrich one's own yin. At this time, the full yin can better support the new development of Yang. So that's this growth idea of like, they're just enriching and growing one outwardly, one inwardly. Right. So the more, I mean, really the way I think he's, what he's getting at is that the more you go in, the more you can go out. Right, right, right. right. If you just go uh, out, something breaks. Right. right? That you so need... it's limited by how far down, how in you can go. Right. It limits because, how far you can go because out. Because then you, you, you have more ability to go out because you still have something to connect to as you go out. Hence the idea of training the yin side of things till you're really good at it. 
could potentially lift your ceiling on your outward ability to explode and attack. I mean, I think the the basic idea, which you know it holds up pretty well, is that if you can relax something, you can tense it pretty easily, right? That if you have mm. the ability to control something to the point of being able to be make it loose and relaxed and you know move it any way you want it to if you want to tense it up it's not a big deal to just add a little you know tension to the equation so that's i think where the opposite isn't true right if you're super tense you can't just relax right it doesn't go the other way so there's a piece of i mean i think that's where um in all things, even things that are quote unquote hard, what you're trying to achieve at some point is a, a level of maybe not softness in your body, but softness in your mind or in your, you know, some, some, yeah. some way of, you know, being like not completely rigid because, you know, that, that is the kind of where, you know, the human mind does its best work in that right. place of, you know. And he speaks to that here. So the final piece here says, Although development is a means and enrichment is the end, due to their inseparable causality, mutual benefit must be achieved. So it's almost like you're tr- you can't help training both. You need both sides. Yeah, my, my favorite phrase about this is that uh, the big uh, supports the small, the small refines the big, right? Or you know, the, the, this, this yeah. idea that you know you. You, the large things in your body give you the structure mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, nourish those little guys. And, They're and, safe you know, to do their thing. Yeah, yeah, and you can pulse those joints and you can open those gates and all this little stuff, right? And the more you do that little stuff, it like refines your ability to use your structure to a point that you're able to do, you know, the physical stuff on a more subtle level, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's like this... And the way he says, inseparable causality. Yeah, I was just two things just. Ah, yeah, I mean it's it's that the as he puts it the yin yang fish thing, right? It's right. it's not you know it's not two static things. It's right. it's two fish swimming right. around. And that's around, such a key around, distinction. Right. Like you want to separate it into one and you know two halves, but it's they're the same thing. Yeah. So it's, ah. it's a ball rolling. <laughs> so he wraps up by saying this: In fact, the space is infinite. Even the particles in the Wuji have infinite levels. So, like, wait, what does he mean by that exactly? So, is that that idea well, that if you look deep enough with electron microscope, right? Yeah, there is space between everything. At that's the that's no, you know, you can you can go smaller and smaller and smaller, and there'll still be something, right? Right. Like you, and there's space between things the further down you go. Yeah. And that's as far as we'll get for today. All right. Hey, folks. Uh, just a reminder. Um, to check out the patreon for the extended episodes also we have instagram facebook all that so if you want to see images to go along with the episodes you can check out that Uh, again thanks for listening take care of yourselves and be well